Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Talk About Feminism. We're your hosts, Haley and Mackenzie, and this week we are on episode 24. So we're going to be talking about Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month because it's September and it's Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month. So that's what we're talking about today. Yep, it will be a hard topic. Um, We personally have experience with this, so it will be difficult to talk about, but it's very important to both of us. And let's get to it. Haley, how was your week? How's your day been? My day has been good. Um, I... I feel like I've been pretty productive. We worked out this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, that feels like so long ago. <laughs> I know. Um, we're recording in the nighttime right now, everyone. And we normally record. We've said this before. We normally record on like Saturday afternoons. So it's weird mm-hmm. when we record at night because it's like it throws me off. A um, little bit. If you can't tell if you're watching on YouTube, the lighting is a little different. We yeah. had to play some some tricks on the lighting to try yeah, and get have- it to as close lots of lamps yeah (laughs) but yeah I mean it's been good I just worked out worked um yeah how was your day I know you had school yeah it was good um I like that we work out in the mornings it feels so nice because I do feel like I'm more productive and Mm -hmm. I literally worked on school all day today and I feel like I got nothing done so I feel productive, but not really. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, you know, that feeling like you literally work all day and it just feels like you're getting nowhere. Yeah. Ugh, that sucks. I hate that. I'm glad that I'm taking a gap semester. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Well, we don't really have any other news. We do have a shout out before we get into the feminist highlight and this was sent to us by one of our listeners we really appreciate it and we absolutely loved it so we're gonna read it so um uh okay so this was sent to us on instagram and it relates to our episode two weeks ago about um beauty standards and media Mm -hmm. so this is what it says this is from lexi and Lindsay kite And the tag is at Beauty Redefined. And it's an excerpt from More Than a Body. And that's their book. So this is what an excerpt from their book. It says, quote, girls learn the most important thing about themselves is how they look. Boys learn the most important thing about girls is how they look. Girls look at themselves. Boys look at girls. Girls are held responsible for boys looking. Girls change how they look. Boys keep looking. The problem isn't how girls look. The problem is how everyone looks at girls. Solve the problem by teaching everyone that girls don't exist to be looked at. End quote. Boom. (laughs) I don't know what else to say after that. It speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. I like how it goes hand in hand with our beauty standards episode. I think it's a really good message that you don't need to change yourself for anybody. Who you are and how you look, it's perfect. You're beautiful just how you are. Yeah, and I think it kind of gets down to um, one of the roots is, like, that men and women are both sexualized at times, but especially women. And so it gets down to that root, like, stop sexualizing women. So I really like that. Um, So that's our – we actually have two shout-outs today. We have that one. (laughs) Um, And then if you guys are watching on YouTube, we have these little pink pins. And they say feminist on them. And our two younger sisters got them for us. Super cute. Yep. Come watch on YouTube so you can see. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, at Real Talk About Feminism podcast on YouTube so you can see our super cute pins. And we'll take a picture and post it on Instagram because we love these pins. So we're wearing them today to show you guys. How fun. Well, let's get into the feminist highlight for today. So as Haley mentioned, September is Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month. And so we are highlighting a childhood cancer survivor. Her name is Brianna, I believe, or Brianna Comerford. And she was diagnosed with stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma when she was a child. And on June 9th of 2009, she was declared cancer free. You know the feeling. That's great. Yes. Um, so I got all this information from, it was like a blog type um, format, something that she wrote um, on the hopesandheroes.org website. It was a blog post from her. So this is all like pretty much from her experience in her own words. Um, and we're going to link that in the show notes. It was really cool. I read it like three times because it was just so cool to read. Um, so she said, quote, Although I do not have it anymore, cancer is forever a part of me, a memory, a journey, a story, even a way of enjoying life, end quote. So she turned her experience into a positive one as much as she could. And she said in the post that having cancer led her to be able to have very cool opportunities. Um, she was the national youth ambassador for Hyundai's Hope on Wheels, She's been a public speaker for organizations like Hopes and Heroes, the October Women Foundation, the American Cancer Society, the Valerie Fund, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and Pennies for Patients. And she, in 2000, ooh, sorry, forgot the date. Um, she lobbied in Capitol Hill for the Creating Hope Act, which was passed by President Obama in 2012. And this is basically just... Um, creating means for hospitals and research companies and the country in general to research pediatric cancer. So treatments, further research, diagnosis, things like that. Um, and I link will link that article in the show notes as well because it was very cool to read. And the article that I'm referring to was written in 2015 and it was right after she attended um, Stupid Cancer's Cancer Con actually in Denver. So kind of cool, close to home. And she also went into detail about how much she enjoyed her time at that convention as well. So Brianna Comerford, very cool. There's countless people just like her, just like you. And so I just had to choose one, but I really liked her story. Yeah, I really like her story too. I love all the, the activism that she's done from it and really sharing her story. For sure. And I had never heard of Stupid Cancer's Cancer Con. But Dang. when I was reading, I was like, Haley, you should look into that. Yeah, I'm going to Google it right after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like Kent has been referring to, um, this is a hard topic for us because I am a cancer survivor. And um, I can't remember if I shared something on Instagram, if I had shared the, I think I did share the post that I had made on my personal account for Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month on the um, Instagram for Real Talk. But yes, I, I'm a cancer survivor and we wanted to get on here and talk about this because like we always say, like it's really powerful to share stories and to get your point across by sharing your story. And this 
cancer journey is very much a family story and a family journey. And it's something that will always be, a, it's, it's a journey. It's like never ending. Yeah. So um, we both just wanted to kind of share our stories. Um, but first we wanted to start out with some statistics to kind of tell you guys or inform you guys why Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month is important because a lot of people don't don't realize it and don't know that September is Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month. Um, so something, okay, a few years ago, I started trying to do something every September, a lot through my social media, but I started trying to do something. Mm-hmm. And um, I just really felt passionate about spreading awareness that it was Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month because people just really don't know about it. And like, for example, everyone knows that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I think that it's great that there's so like everyone knows that October wear pink, you know, it's just so ingrained in us. And I want that. I want to see a day where everybody knows that September is go gold for pediatric cancer awareness. Um, cause the reality is like when you're that young, like cancer is hard for any age and for any circumstance, like anyone, but especially when they're, you're that young, you don't have a grasp on like fully, even like what life is, you know, like you haven't had life experiences and that's a huge thing. And a lot of people, like when I tell them that I'm a cancer survivor and I tell them how young I was, like a lot of people are like, Oh, you probably don't remember that much. Do you? But I do. I didn't know and, people said that to you. Yeah, people are like, oh, well, you probably don't remember that much because you were so young. And they're not trying to say it in a no, rude way or anything. But yeah, I'm like, no, I, I do remember. Because um, that's a really traumatic thing to go mm-hmm. through. Um, so yeah, let's share some statistics because that way we'll start off on like um, kind of why we need to care about it. So um, one of the first statistics is that... Cancer is the leading cause of death by disease in children in the United States. So that's a big deal, the leading cause of death by disease in the, in the United States in kids. So we should probably, you know, raise more funds and, you know, do more stuff. And we'll get into that later. But um, it's just so crazy. Um, another thing that was really interesting to me was that globally, there are more than 400,000 children diagnosed with cancer each year. That's a lot that is a of lot. kids. Like, that's honestly so crazy. On top of that, 20% of children with cancer in the U.S. will not survive it. And that comes out to be one out of five. So one out of five kids with cancer in the U.S. will not survive it. It's really crazy to think that, I mean, I was the four out of five who survived, but things could have easily gone a different way. And I could have been that, that one, mm-hmm. you know, it's just so sad. Um, yeah, that's a crazy statistic. Um, we'll just share a few more. Um, approximately 40,000 children are on active treatment in the U S at any given time. That's also a lot of kids mm-hmm. and two thirds of childhood cancer survivors experience at least one side effect do you want to read the list of side effects yeah so the list is secondary cancers so like if it comes back heart damage 
lung damage, infertility, chronic hepatitis, alterations in growth and development, impaired cognitive abilities, and psychosocial impact. Yeah, and I mean, even for me, I mean, this is getting pretty personal, but um, my I suffer from issues with my bones because I was getting such intense treatment mm-hmm. when I was growing, so... I've had a lot of complications with my bones. I can't really do anything with like hard impact or else it's super painful. And infertility has also been a discussion for me too. And as of now, like they think everything will be fine, but it is so scary to know that I think it was like three years ago, maybe, no, I think it was like three years ago. um, I was told that I might not be able to have kids and not that I was going to be trying to have kids at that time, But to be told that that young and have to go through, like, do certain blood tests and everything to check and see if I could possibly have kids, like, that's that was really scary. And I remember when I found that out and I found out that I was going to have to do the blood test for it, um, I just remember being so sad. And I was just crying. And the family, like, we all, I'm sure you remember this, too. We all went out to Sonic. And, like, we were just, like, trying to you know, you guys were just trying to take my mind off of it, but it was like, I, it was so sad for like everyone. And I wasn't even at the point of my life where I was like trying to have kids. I'm not at that point right now, but you know, like it was just something that I was like, I might not be able to have kids and I I probably will now, but you never know. There's still a chance because I had radiation down there. Yeah. Very intense doses of radiation. And you were so so young, like, yeah, it, it had a lot. It does have a lot of side effects for you Mm -hmm. and not only just the physical ones I know that a lot of survivors have um different side effects like um a lot of people struggle with like PTSD and anxiety Mm -hmm. around like going to get medical treatment and for a long time it was I was having major like full-on anxiety attacks like so scary when I would have to go into the doctor And I've been able to work through that. It's still never going to go away because it kind of flares up sometimes. Like my last doctor's appointment, like I didn't have an anxiety attack, but I was just anxious. And so that's something that is always going to be dealt with. But, you know, I I just know a lot of survivors will deal with PTSD from that. And so that's another thing that wasn't listed. But of course, like there's going to be side effects that way. And I know that there's like that sort of emotional side effect on like all of the family members too, which is really hard. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you because you're a phlebotomist and you literally, like that was a big deal for you to overcome that, like going through the class and getting poked so many times. Cause if you, if you've gone through the class, you get poked like a million times in one day. Um, so I'm really proud of you for going through that because that was hard. That was a big deal to overcome that. So I actually, um, quick little side note, but this is just like highlighting people who are just who have been like so supportive of my journey. And again, I'm calling it a journey because it's a lifelong thing. And this is a more recent thing that happened. So it just proves that like, there's still things going on. Um, So I had to get IV certified before I got my phlebotomy Mm -hmm. and like I could start IVs and like give people fluids. Um, And then I got certified to just draw blood, like straight up draw blood. And so in my IV class, I was with all of my people that I graduated EMT school with and the teacher who I had known really well. 
And so I was really nervous to be stuck. And I was like freaking out. But I was like, no, like, I can't be a wimp. Like, I'm supposed to be tough. Like, I'm in the medical world now. And I remember like talking to my friends about it in class. And they were like, girl, like, literally, don't even worry about it. Like, talk to the instructor. And he's going to tell you that you don't need to get poked. Like, it's okay. You're okay. Like, don't even worry about it. And I was like, no, like, I, I need to contribute. I need to be part of the team, you know? And they all were just like, no, like, you had something like was really hard happen mm-hmm. to you. Like, you don't have to worry about it. So I talked to the instructor and he was obviously so nice. And he was like, no, like, don't even worry about it. Like, you don't need to get stuck. Um, and then I ended up getting stuck. Like, I ended up letting someone stick me. And everyone around me in that class was like so supportive. Like, like I just, everyone was like making sure I was okay. And it wasn't even in a way like that I felt like embarrassed or like pointed out in any way. It was just like people were lifting me up. And that's just like a really good example of how people still, people are just so understanding and so supportive. Like when you have a really good group around mm-hmm. you and like, I just, I've always felt this really good support system around me through this whole journey. So I, I really appreciate it. That's good. Yeah. And I think I remember this, um, when you were going through the phlebotomy class, not just for IVs and your teacher, mm-hmm. was that the same teacher? I don't remember, but um, I remember cause I was living in St. George at the time. And so we called each other all the time and you were saying like, mm-hmm. she was so like in awe of you for like being in the class and going through that. Yeah, she was. And at that point I had already been through EMT or I had already been through IV school and EMT school. And I had been sticking people like in the back of an ambulance for about five months. So at that point I was okay to let people stick me, but I had told her like, just so you know, like sometimes I just get anxious and yeah, she, you're right. Cause you had yeah. her as a phlebotomy teacher too. Like she was so nice about everything, but you're right. Like she was just really supportive of me and like really built me up. And that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a sidetrack, but just kind of, um, we just wanted to highlight kind of the, the side effects that, that really do make it a journey too. Like, it's these are things that I'll have to deal with lifelong for sure and sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but like one thing I want to add because like I went to one of your more recent doctor's appointments and like there's so many things that you have to watch out for like um Mm -hmm. you can't take NSAIDs you have certain things that you can't put into your body since you have one kidney like you really have to watch your water intake and make sure you're having enough fluids like just normal things that like for you are normal, but people who never went through it don't ever have to think about really. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't want to make it seem like my life is like this like sob story because really like, I feel like I'm very lucky. I feel like I've gotten a second chance at life and um, I don't always appreciate that second chance, but um, I mean, honestly, like my side effects could be worse. Like I could be on dialysis for having one kidney or I could be having to take blood pressure medication because having one kidney affects that, you know, like I really feel like I don't have it too bad. I feel like it's been more of the um, like mental aspect Mm -hmm. for me. And I've been able to overcome like that anxiety with like going back to the doctor, but um, it's more of the mental aspect because yeah, like sometimes I can kind of become a hypochondriac. And I'm, I know that you can attest to that. I'm like, just kind of sitting here blinking my eyes. Cause yeah, sometimes like 
were like, girl, you're fine. Like, you're okay. That's normal. But I totally get it. Like, there is PTSD. Yeah. So, yeah. And everyone puts up with it. And I I have gotten a lot better. Like, it's not always, I think, since working in the medical field a little bit, I I have gotten better. But, um, yeah, like, there's just different things like that. So we just wanted to highlight that why we're discussing childhood cancer because it is a bigger deal than a lot of people know and within the past few years i've noticed it's gained Mm -hmm. more traction the this month um but yeah we wanted to start off with those statistics because it it is such a big deal and it is really important to us so we want to share a little bit about our stories now yeah yours will be longer (laughs) why don't you go first to like lay the background and then i'll give my perspective disclaimer I was very young too and like I feel like there's a Mm -hmm. lot that like I subconsciously just like suppressed or blocked out like I don't remember everything so I'll give like how I remember feeling and kind of what I remember about that time and then we'll come together (laughs) and by the way this is new for us because we've I've never heard Ken's side of the story we haven't discussed this ever not really yeah, so this will be new. Um, you guys are <laughs> along for the ride. Um, so I'm kind of just going to give the the basics. So um, I was five years old, and I feel like I'm at like a... Like a public like event. A, a oh, like or group therapy or something. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it feels like. Um, so I was five years old, and I was I think I was in the bath if I can remember right and my parents noticed that my stomach was like distended so it was just like bigger and so they called my our grandma who is a nurse and they just told her about it and she said to take me to the ER so they my parents took me to the ER and I remember um distinctly I remember like sitting there watching a TV, like in, you know, how they have it at the ER. It's like a tiny TV in the corner. I remember sitting there and watching that and just kind of being like, what's going on? Um, And, but I remember feeling like something was serious, but I didn't know what. Um, So then I remember just like going home and then I don't know how much time passed, probably not that long. Um, I remember my parents calling me into their bedroom and they had like the, I think Grandma Beth knitted or sewed this blanket, the animal Yes, one. <laughs> That one. Um, so they had, I remember like that blanket on the bed and it kind of had like these little like yarny mm-hmm. tie things that came up. So I remember like playing with the ties and I remember my parents sitting me down on the bed and telling me that I have cancer and then I don't honestly remember anything after that I just remember it like kind of like like when something like crazy happens and you kind of just like are like trying to process it I remember that like even though I was young I remember that happening and I remember I was just like what and I'm pretty sure they were probably telling me like what that meant and what we were going to be doing um but I remember them telling me that I had cancer So we, um, moved down to, um, 
where is UC Davis? Yeah, so, Sacramento. Yeah, we we moved to a town like a couple hours away from there. Yeah, so we like had to pack up everything or like movers packed up everything. Um, so I remember driving down to the hospital and we ended up staying there for a month. And um, it was just me and my parents, Ken's and our younger sister, Sadie. Nat wasn't born yet, but you guys were with our family friends who are basically family. You guys were with the family. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was like, we didn't stay at the hospital for a month. And then I was thinking, like, where was Nat? Because in my notes, I put me, Sadie, and Nat. Yeah, Nat wasn't born. That's crazy. Mom was okay. pregnant. So, um, I think. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they were with our family friends. I was in the the hospital. And I feel like I recently wrote up this experience in my head. Or maybe, um, maybe I'm thinking of something else. But it's, like, really vivid in my head. So, while I was in the hospital, I received chemotherapy, radiation therapy, Mm -hmm. and surgery. So they first removed Mm -hmm. the kidney. And um, for people watching on YouTube, (laughs) if you can see, um, I have a scar right here. Okay. So that's from the surgery. Um, So I got the tumor removed. It was a nine-hour surgery. And from what I've heard, it was really scary because, I mean, like, I could have died. It was, like, life or death. And that's a really long surgery for, like, someone really little or just in general. But I, I know that my parents were just sitting out there not knowing, like, if I was going to Yeah, and it. I remember because, like Haley said, like, we were with our family friends. And I remember that night, like, we fasted all day. And then we ate dinner. And, like, Julie was so stressed oh. out. Like, we all were. But she was, like, very stressed out. And she was kind of communicating with mom and dad. And there came to a point where she was like, it's already been seven hours. Like it shouldn't be any longer. So yeah, it was scary. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So that was long. And then after that I did chemotherapy and radiation therapy and, um, just some like vivid memories. So I don't know the order of them, but I remember, at one point, they were trying to, I think they were trying to draw my blood. And I just remember like screaming and crying and like not wanting it. And I remember dad holding me. And like, that's just, that's like one of those things that like you're so young, like you can't really, you're just like, why? Right. Like, why am I it's having to It's hard to, do to all understand this? why. Like, I, yeah, even if you're like, I understand that I'm sick, but like, why, mm-hmm. why do they need all this? Like, they just got blood, you know? And I did end up getting a port, um, like, in my chest so that they wouldn't have to stick me all the time. Um, So that must have been before I got the port. But um, that's one really specific memory I have. I also had a blanket that was – I called it, like, my horse's blanket. I remember horse's blanket. (laughs) (laughs) We still have it. I wish I would have brought it upstairs. Um, Yeah, it was red, and it had brown horses on it, like, running (laughs) in the wild. And I remember, like, I would, like, use it as, like, my invisibility cloak. And when the doctors would come in, like, I just remember one morning, like, they came in and I just, like, hid under the blanket. And I was, like, if they don't see me, like, I don't have to do treatment. I'm, like, kind of getting a little choked up. Like, it's really sad. 
Um, sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, I remember that. And then this last memory that I'm going to share, I know is going to make me cry. <laughs> um, so I just remember being really sad in the hospital and I don't know, like, again, I don't know the timing of it. I don't know how long I had, like, um, been on in the hospital. But um, I remember that I was, like, walking down the hallway. And in my mind, it was, like, this, like, yeah. big white hallway because I was young. So it was, like, white hallway and it was, like, lined with windows. And I looked at the end of the hallway and I just saw all of you guys, you and Sadie with the Vanderstoops, and you were all just, like, running towards me. And, oh my gosh, we're, like, a mess. I was gonna share that one. (sighs) Yeah, um, I remember that, because I was really sad. Like, I just remember being, like, so sad. And just looking down this, like, super white, empty hallway and just seeing everyone running towards me. And I was really happy. Do you want to share your uh, perspective (laughs) Um, of that? Yeah, I actually put that one in my notes because, like I said, like, I was so young, too. Like, I feel like I really suppressed a lot because I'll get, like, flashbacks sometimes. But, like, this is one thing I will never forget. I remember, yeah, I remember driving with the Vanderstoops and it was like dark. It was late at night and it was the first time we saw you. And uh, yeah, I just remember like you walking down the hallway, holding the IV bag, bar, whatever it's called. Yeah. And like mom and dad were there. That's all I remember, though. Like, I don't remember if we... I think I remember us going to, like, a playroom or, like, a computer room. That's all I remember, though. Like, I don't remember what we talked about or anything. And then I just... Yeah, I don't remember Yeah, and then I just remember, like, driving away. And I wanted to cry, but Sadie was there. (laughs) Okay, we just had to cut because we needed to compose ourselves. And if you're watching on YouTube, that's why we might look a little bit red. So, um, But we're okay. We've just, like, never talked about it before with each other. And it's a lot. So. Yeah, we probably should have talked about it before. But in a way, everyone's kind of, like, getting a peek into a personal yeah, little, like, therapy Yeah, and it's just session, not something so that comes up naturally. <laughs> No. no, it's really not. Like, let's no. talk about our childhood trauma. Um, okay, so yeah. I just – I last left off. Yeah, so we drove away from the hospital. And, yeah, it was just me and Sadie with the Vanderstoops. And they were amazing. They are amazing. We still keep in touch. But they were our family friends. Mm-hmm. They took great care of us. So me and Sadie went back to their house with them and then left you. And that was really sad. Yeah. Um. So, yes, that was my favorite memory. And maybe I was, like, thinking about that memory before because, like, I, I, I might have just told someone about that. But it was really recent in my memory. So, um, 
anyways, um, another happy thing that came out of it was my wish trip. And for that, we got to go to Disney World. And we went, we stayed at Give Kids the World Resort, which is like, part. I'm pretty sure they're partnered Make with. Make a wish. Yeah. Um, Make a it wish. It was so fun. We should dig up some pictures because we took so many. We got, um, yeah, like this was all your wish. Mm-hmm. This was through Make a Wish. So you got to pick everything we did. They literally picked us up from the house in a limo and we got to ride in a limo to the mm-hmm. airport. Yeah. Like literally the whole way through we were taking care of yep. like everything we needed was there. And it was so fun. Yeah, we got to go to Disney World. Yep. At this point, Nat was born. So it was like our whole family. Yep. And it was really fun because like the Give Kids the World mm-hmm. resort that we stayed at, it was like just this like yeah. fun little village. And the mascot was like, or the mayor was a bunny. And every night he would come around like with the <laughs> bunny in the costume. Um, but every night he would come around and give us gifts. It was, and it was fun. Like, yeah, there was fun. a parade and we got to dress up. Yeah, we yeah, had, they had all sorts of fun stuff. So fun. after like having the day in Disney, we'd come back and just do activities. It was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really happy moment that I want to highlight. Um, and do you have anything else that you wanted to no, highlight? Um, besides like what you've been doing now, like I want to. Okay, yeah, because what I was gonna go into. Um, you alluded to it in the beginning of the episode, but yeah, it was like three, four years ago, maybe you like really started to realize like I want to be an advocate, I want to be an activist for mm-hmm. kids who have cancer and cancer survivors, and so I think it was 2017, maybe. But in the month of September, mm-hmm. you hosted a Go Gold party at our house. And we had a lot of people come. Yeah. We had a photo booth. You had a movie on the lawn with a projector. That was fun. Like, just all sorts of little activities to, like, yeah. bring awareness to Pediatric Cancer Month. Yeah, definitely. It was it was a really good time. And I had just started mm-hmm. out with, like, my activism. So it wasn't as much of a turnout as I wanted to. But, like, it, you got to start somewhere. And so I'd love to do, we've already talked about this. We want to do a, mm-hmm. another Go Gold party next year. Um, so we have a lot of time to plan it and have a bigger turnout. Um, another thing, like I said, like I, I use social media every year to promote it. And we'll share some of those posts, some of those different, like, I guess, campaign type things I've done. Um, we'll share those on the the Instagram for you guys to see at Real Talk About Feminism. Um, something that was big that has been the most meaningful to me is um, it was actually last year and I had sunflowers Mm -hmm. painted around my scar because my scar has always kind of been like um, now I'm honestly like that sunflower thing really helped me to like be confident about it and um, I don't hate it anymore but like it was kind of just like hard for me to look at because like I I mean I stood up at the beginning if you guys are watching on YouTube um it's pretty big it used Mm -hmm. to be across my entire abdomen and now it's like halfway but it's just really big and I I doubt even like when I'm wearing a swimsuit or anything I doubt people really notice it um maybe they do I don't know it doesn't really matter to me now but the point is like I used to just be really self-conscious about it and it 
used to remind me of like really painful memories. But within the past year or like year and a half, two years, I've been trying to um, kind of just focus on like the positive aspect of it. And yeah, like I'm not perfect. Like sometimes it sucks, like thinking about different things that happened. But um, yeah, so I had sunflowers painted around my scar because sunflowers Mm -hmm. will face the sun and sunflowers are also my favorite flower. So I had the flowers painted around my scar and I took pictures and everything And it was just kind of a little way for me to say, like, even in hard times, like this scar that reminds me of a really hard journey that I've been going through in my life, um, the sunflowers around it can remind me to face the sun and like, look at the good things that have come out of it and stuff like that. So that was like one of my favorite things. I really like that. Um, Yeah, it was, it was really amazing. Um, The last thing I want to highlight was I was actually able to address our city at a car show with the mayor. And it was really cool. Definitely. We'll share the article, actually. That was really that cool. Was yeah. cool. Mom still has yeah. it hanging up in her office. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was two years ago. And um, yeah, it was just really cool. Cause I just like, I always reach out to like people, like newscasters and just like people who I think could like possibly use their platform to help me share awareness. And then the mayor got back to me and was like, yeah, we're doing a car show. Do you want to come up and speak? And I did. And it was really awesome. So we'll share, uh, we'll share screenshots of that article on the main so that you guys can Very read cool. it. It's really cool. Somehow I forgot about that. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, was I think it was because you were at school. Still, that was really, really cool. So yeah, there's good that can come out of it. And I feel like you've done a really good job of like trying to be positive even when you're having a really hard time with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely hard. And I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, like, I just look at it as like such a positive thing now. Like, no, I, I don't. It is hard sometimes. But I've done a lot better. And I really am thankful for this second chance of life. And it really is like, I just feel like there's so much value in sharing our family's journey and our family's story. And I think that you offer a really unique perspective too of just kind of like, like obviously like we, we don't really talk about it and that's okay because um, we go through things in different ways. But I think that you do offer a really unique perspective of like, fa- there's like mm-hmm. secondary trauma too. Like just because I was the one that had the sickness doesn't mean that everyone else doesn't have hard moments. Like I know it's, like it was hard for everyone. And even like, it's interesting because like, even though like Nat wasn't born yet, Nat has seen the later part of for my sure. journey mm-hmm. and how I deal she with has. it now. And you have a perspective of like remembering different things while we were actually going through it. And I would say Sadie more sees what I'm going through now also. Cause she was really young. Um, I've also never really talked about it with her, so I don't really know, but it's just interesting. So I think it's really important to recognize that like, um, it's a whole journey for everyone and like, not just immediate family, but everyone that was around us, like all of the, I was going to say that too, like literally all of our family and like close friends and like literally Mm -hmm. everyone, even if they weren't there necessarily, you know, they're still very involved. So kind of just to close out this episode, um, we just wanted to highlight kind of how everyone can help. Um, oh, and something I totally left out. Um, 
all of the statistics we got from acco.org and that is American Childhood Cancer Organization. They're a super great organization um, and they put out a lot of resources. So definitely check them out. But um, if you're thinking right now, like, what can I do to help? What can I do like to, for, to do something for Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month? Um, just some ideas that we have for you. You could, um, if you're in the position, you could donate to a children's hospital. Um, you could go to the ACCO.org website and check out all those resources. I know they have different ways you can raise awareness and different causes you can donate to, different things you can do. Um, another way is just like listening to survivor stories because for some people it's it's therapeutic to talk about. Like for me, it's very therapeutic mm-hmm. to share my story, even though it's hard. So you can do that. Um, and you can also volunteer. You can try volunteering at hospitals. I know with COVID right now, it's probably hard, but um, there's different ways. Like if you reach out to organizations like the Ronald McDonald House, which um, our family did stay at when we were going through this whole thing at, at the hospital, um, you can just reach out to different organizations like that who help. And um, there's always work to do. So definitely check out all of those ideas if you want to help. And you can always reach out to us if you need any more Those ideas. Those are great. And like we said, we are trying to plan a Go Gold party for next September. So we're really going to work on that. And if anybody is in the Denver area or wants to come out for it, that'd be awesome. Um, we can do or virtual we can even too. do yeah. like a virtual live That'd be cool. Just like too. anything to raise awareness because there's a lot of people affected by childhood cancer, like either firsthand or seeing somebody go through it. We did read the statistics in the beginning and that really mm-hmm. shed some light on how many people really are affected. Yeah. It's definitely just like a really awful thing that we never want anyone to have to go through, but unfortunately people do. So we want to kind of use our experience and, try and raise awareness to, you know, raise funds to do more research and possibly find a cure to childhood cancer. So that is the goal. That is the goal. <laughs> um, as always, follow us on Instagram at Real Talk About Feminism and watch us on YouTube, Real Talk About Feminism podcast. And I won't speak for you, but if anybody has questions about like our experiences or childhood cancer in general or like other ways to help please dm us reach out to us um i would be open to sharing things like that so just yeah let us know yeah me too we're always just ready to answer questions or help in any way we can um or if you have something that you want to share too as well if you have any experiences then um we'd love to hear them so reach out to us um Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and YouTube at Real Talk About Feminism Podcast on YouTube and Real Talk About Feminism on Spotify. And we'll see you guys next week.